God. All right, play us right. something sweet, Pat. There you go. There you go. That's the <laughs> wrong, intro. Wrong end, Celso. Wrong end. <laughs> do, it, do it up, uh, Celso. Just, that's what just she like, said. Just like oh, God. <laughs> hey, guys. You're listening to Leaving a Legacy. You don't what? have to scoop to anyone. Right. Right. Even it's... your mom, you know, and she's <laughs> in the top eight, and you're going to pop her out, man. <laughs> So we're going. We moved into the ballsy portion of the house. There's some things you just can't buy in Vermont. Like Mexican food, you can't buy Mexican food. (laughs) Alright, well, uh, welcome to the premier leading New England legacy podcast, Leaving a Legacy. I am your newly throned host, main host of the show. Oh, I the bears. <laughs> and, and I have three underling co-hosts. Some hosts. Some, Some hosts. hosts. <laughs> yeah, the, the Bernie Sanders, if you will, of the hosting going on. <laughs> wow, just getting political right off the bat. That's a good recipe for success. Did you hear the well, well, let's, let, let's feel, let's be fair though. Bernie gets a lot of support. This is really more like, the John Kasich sub host. <laughs> I'll take that. Are you sure it's not like a Marco Rubio there? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, wanna, like wanna... the people who think they're hosts, but they're really not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right. Well, we got, we got Adrian. Adrian, hey. how's it going? It is going. How's Celso? Celso is doing pretty well tonight. Nice. Doing pretty well. It's, it's always a good night to talk some legacy. And then we got some Jerry. Hey, and then we got the uh, podcast chump. <laughs> I thought you, I thought you throwing it back to Jerry again. Sorry, <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> uh, can we get a Kickstarter to have a grudge match between Jerry and Pat? <laughs> mud wrestling. I'll only do it if it's mud race? wrestling. <laughs> we'll give half to the Wounded Warrior Project. I mean, we should just throw money at this versus anything else. <laughs> Charity, do yeah. I mean, the the belt's out there if Pat ever wants to take it. He's just too scared. What do you mean? I have the belt. Like you have. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot. You're like there. you're like the the grizzled veteran who got one lucky win and then refuses to uh, fight anyone else so he can just two, hold on. Two, to the two lucky wins, two lucky duo wins, and uh, yeah, it's real, real 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 rough. Good, good. The Brock Lesnar so, of the cast just holding the belt. That's what it's all about, man. The baddest uh, man alive. Speaking of, did you play any Legacy this weekend, Pat? Uh, I, I did not. I'm actually. No, oh, I'm, I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I unfortunately I wasn't able to make it up to uh, to TE on Sunday. Adrian's tales of wandering through drunken uh, wannabe Irishmen um, <laughs> trying to get to the store kind of kept me away. But I am uh, going to the Wiz tomorrow night after uh, I have a work meeting up in Westboro all day and. Uh, it's like across the street from where the Wiz is at, so I'm gonna go up there tomorrow night and get some get some rounds in. So, so you didn't play any Legacy, and we had just had a conversation about balance, and that doesn't sound like balance, Pat. It's true, but I just didn't want. To, I didn't feel like going through the drunk crowds, man. Like, it was actually kind of fun. Did you go? Yeah, I played Legacy. Nice, nice. So for for our listeners at home, me and uh, the other seven people. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got eight. That's important for, uh, for our like, listeners. There was ten of us, but yeah, yeah. For our listeners, so our regular store, that's entertainment, is located on the parade route 
of St. Patty's Day. So they block off the entire street, and in order to go play Legacy, you have to carry your backpack with a thousand, you know, multiple thousands of dollars in cardboard through uh, throngs of drunken Irishmen. I can I can see that ending poorly. I think that's an accomplished Saturday, Sunday afternoon, if you tell me. Yeah, if you make it, if you make it, of course. <laughs> it wasn't too bad. I mean, we didn't have to park in Brighton and take the tea. We just, <laughs> me and Aaron ended up meeting over by um, Botanic Square, and then just walked over. It was nice. cool. Yep. So there was there was ten of us, and it was uh, it was kind of funny because at first there were nine of us, and then the first round started, and then. Uh, the person with the buy got matched up with the guy who was five minutes late. The guy who was five minutes late was playing lands. <laughs> <laughs> so they 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 got matched up and played and oh it was a good it was a good time. I mean there was there was a kid there. It was like a younger kid that uh you know we were talking about it too. It's like sometimes somebody will go through um you know they, they'll pick out the cheap cards, commons, whatever, and just kind of put a deck together, and then some of them aren't standard legal, but they figure they can play it in Legacy. And then, you know, this this kid sits down with, I don't even know what, if it was some tribal theme, I don't even think so, whatever it was, and he's, he's going to play against, I mean, the poor kid had never seen Legacy before, I think his round one was Miracles, then Storm, and then by the end he played me and I was playing Dredge. <laughs> welcome, to, welcome to Legacy, kid. Yeah. Welcome to that's, Magic. That's like one of those things where it's like a kid goes into a into a shop and the guy behind the counter like kind of knows about Magic but doesn't really know all that much about Magic. And the kid's like, "Oh, what format should I get into?" And it's like, "Oh, well, if you play Legacy, you can play any card you want." And the kid's like, "Yeah, that's a great idea." And then he shows up and Adrian makes him cry. <laughs> no, actually, I get, I get, no, I gave him the win. Just because. Ah, oh, look at you. Yeah, it was something. Sometimes there's things more important than the win. You were also already in the O3 bracket at this point. Uh, one two. <laughs> one two. There you uh, go. Hey, the kid got a win. That's good. Yeah, it meant more to him. You know, he was he was he was happy. It was cool. Nice. I think game one I decked myself, and, <laughs> and then g- game two I let him kind of see how strange Dredge is, and then game three I just, uh, I tried to play Dredge by casting creatures and attacking with Narcomoebus. <laughs> One of those experimental <laughs> games. <laughs> it was just, it was just to, you know, play a game with him and let him have some fun, yeah. you know. Nice. It was cool. It was cool. How do you like the deck so far? I've played Dredge before. It's different though. This is, I changed it a little bit. Um, I think, well, you know, my son played it, and then I was talking with Jim, and uh, getting his insight. Jim not dredge. Jim not dredge. Yeah, and it turned out that the deck was actually built from Jim not dredge's um, uh, forum posts on the source. So, because I'm like, he's like, well, that's almost like my deck. And then I was talking to the guy um, to uh, Chris Chi, and he's like, well, yeah, I built it from Jim's list. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, then I guess that makes sense. And uh, this list is genius. (laughs) It was the only differences was that really. you know, there were four Icarids in the in the deck, and Jim plays three, and I understand his point, because I've actually gotten that through the same position. Like, normally, if I play Dredge, I play Gataxian Probe Cabal Therapy. I don't play Icarid, and I go hard for just Dread Return and Grizzlebrand, usually with an Ash, Ash Zealot. Um, but this doesn't have Ash Zealot. It's not as combo as what I normally play with Dredge. It's a lot more consistent. It's fair Dredge. <laughs> It's hard. It's hard to interact with Dredge. Like um, Ash Zealot, like the the two two for two red. It's like a red and a white or something. Yeah, Ash Zealot. No, it's. Are you talking about Flamekin Zealot? No, 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 no. 
I'm talking about Ash Zealot. Oh, what? Oh, what no, does the card do? Zealot. Yeah, all creatures gain haste this turn. Yeah, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is Ash Zealot? Is that the stupid red fucking red red? It's like RR22 first strike. If a player plays a spell from their graveyard, deals three. Yeah, that's Oops. not the one. <laughs> that's real good no. in dredge. Yeah, I'm gonna try to play a spell. You lose. Flashback one. cabal therapy. Cast dredge turn. <laughs> I'm gonna flashback faithless looting. Oh shit, I'm dead. Ow. Um, but so so normally, like, I don't play Icarid, um, and I just go straight to dread return, Grizzlebrand, flip the deck, and attack. And uh, and you know, Jim's plays a lot more consistent version of dredge, where it just beats face with Icarids and um, makes its own tokens. And so now I'm playing like an Icarid version of Dredge without Grizzlebrand, which feels different to me because it's not as combo. um, But I changed a few cards. Like, you know, I took a few of Jim's suggestions and and, uh, went back to three Icarids. I still just want to go back to one Dread return. Um, And I had to pick up a fourth breakthrough when I was down there. So I managed to get the fourth breakthrough all matching art. And that's one of the things is I like all the art is all the art I like. Like, um, I don't know. I, I think I probably like the other, uh, breakthrough art. I, like I have the, the conspiracy art. Cause breakthrough is in conspiracy. And yeah, that old OG, OG breakthrough. Yeah. It's just, just a guy with his mind melting out of his ears. Yeah. That's a good one. Well, it's, it's, it's new bridge from the below. Like some of it's just, it's, it's just the artwork. But it's um, you know, it's obviously the original artwork, Lion's Eye Diamond, so that doesn't really matter. Um, <laughs> but no, it's 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 cool. I've been playing it. I like Dredge. It's um, it's not Tin Fins, but I'm still putting Tin Fins together. So <laughs> I think uh, now I'm actually looking for a Scrubland, a Volcanic Island, and at least one more Burning Wish. Then you're done with Tin Fins. No. No. Oh. But I think then I have Burning Reanimator together. Or burning fins, what they call it. <laughs> burning fins, nice. That's, that's what the kids call it nowadays. <laughs> uh, what about you, Celsi? You playing any Legacy lately? I uh, soon will be getting back because uh, I just picked up the other day my last Gaia's Cradle and uh, the F and M foil Lanowar Elves, like the original art. Oh, that nice. one. Sweet. So yeah. I take it you're putting together Reanimator. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Turn turn one, Lanowar Elf, untap, casting Tomb of my upkeep. <laughs> Got him. Never will see it coming. <laughs> but uh, I'm actually looking to try out um, Julian Knob's latest version of the deck, which is not Natural Order Elves. It's been calling it Chaos Elves. Like, I think, have you, got, you guys haven't talked uh, about this version, have you? No, I actually, I read, there were some people talking about it uh, on Twitter, and I was trying to piece it together, but I don't know much about that list, but it sounds interesting. Okay, so more or less, and I'm kind of ballparking the differences. So, well, obviously, no no natural order. It uh, looks like we're shaving. Uh, shoot us the list. Oh, yeah, I could do that. I'll put. I'll copy and paste into Why the Jerry, chat. Why, Jerry, he's just going to tell us about it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know that's what I do, but that's kind of what you do. do. That's uh, do that's kind of that. that's kind of my thing. So you know, <laughs> yeah. hey, as the guest, I'm obliging. So let's see. We got uh four death rates, four symbiotes, four visionaries, because that's that's a sweet core. Um, three sentinels versus four, three heritage druids, three querying rangers versus four that you typically see, 
two Lanor elves, and I'll I'll get to why he was why he's putting in so many one drop mana dorks. Um, one Huff, one Virtual Rangers, one Rex Age, one Shaman of the Pack, one Ooze, one Ren's Run Packmaster, and one Gadok Teague main hey, Jerry, deck. Jerry, didn't Ren's Run Packmaster like? Uh, yeah, I was, just your gonna, face. <laughs> I was just gonna say it's like that card. I still wake up in a cold sweat. Uh, <laughs> that that card is real good against uh, the bugless. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So so I have the four green Senzina. So he mentions in this article that I pasted in the chat that the goal is he wants to put a one drop as soon as possible so he could turn two green Senzina for Gadaktig and put enormous pressure on like either your storm opponent. Um, I mean, it's very very good against. Uh, Miracle still, I mean, obviously they got Swords of Plowshares to deal with it, or Caracas potentially, but it still helps you get through your thing. Um, with, I mean, and, and that's, that's kind of an admirable part of Maverick too, is having Galacteegs, and in the Agrolome decks too, playing main deck Galacteegs, yeah. to keep them off Terminus at least for a while. Right. Um, they don't, uh, the Agrolome only runs two Green Sun because of the Galacte, but I, it's totally, it, I can totally see it. It's, uh, Sometimes when you want Gattic you're more than willing to give up access to Green Sun Zenith in order to get that Gattic out as soon as possible. Right, and you still get your drawings you're going with Glimpse and, and Elvish Visionary, so you're still doing your elf thing right. um, with one library and one crop rotation. Um, the land base is pretty similar. Your eight green fetches, your four cradles, two bayous, uh, two cavernous souls now, probably hedging against miracles again. You know, the basic mm-hmm. forest, the dried arbor... Pendlehaven and uh, Savannah to help cast the Galactique. And then the sideboard's pretty much what you would see in an elf sideboard um, with the addition of a Caracas, because now you have, uh, what should we call it? You have Crop Rotation in the main deck to go for the Caracas, and a Thalia, which I don't think he really has any way to tutor for it. I guess it's just another hedge against the uh, the Storm decks. I mean, if it was me personally, maybe if he's hosing the non-creature spells, I would maybe think about Rorkthar, but... I mean, Thalia is a little quicker to cast. A lot, yeah. Without natural order, definitely. Right. So that so he um, basically went down to Milan for the I think it's the MKM series, one of the two big series. If it's not MKM, it's the uh, uh, Bizarre Moxen, and he mm-hmm. crushed the Friday night side event. I think he went one, two, three, four, five, or was it? He went three, one, one in the Swiss, and then just pretty much went right through the the top eight. And in the main event, he went one, two, three, four, five, one and one, and then pretty much won six out of. Uh, he won. Uh, he only dropped one game in the top eight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he just pretty much, pretty much ran through most of the field with this list. But he's also a uh, fantastic elf player too. So it's you know definitely a lot of props to the pilot. So we're gonna yeah. try it out. See what we got. But I got the natural orders if I want to jump back to natural order elves. Mm-hmm. But seems yeah. Exciting. It's definitely interesting. So he basically shaved the natural order package in order to add in a couple more silver bullets. Um, you know, Shaman of the Pack, we've been waiting for. Because I remember when that card was spoiled, everyone thought it was going to be an auto-include in all Elves decks. And this is, you know, other than a couple when it first came out that tried it out, this is kind of the first time we're seeing a, a main focus on it for a deck. Because if you can just win by constantly bouncing the Ren's Pack match, Master... Um, you, you can definitely do work. Yeah, and I think the other difference, too, is in Natural Order Elves, your, your deal is kind of like get a couple of Elves in play and then get your way to a Huff. 
Whereas this deck, it's kind of, they want to nickel and dime you a little bit. Play, mm-hmm. you know, play a couple of elves, hit you, hit you, hit you, and then eventually just slam the hoof, slam the, uh, shaman of the pack, slam one of these win conditions and just get you. Yeah. Um, and still having combo potential. I mean, you still have, you know, you still have your glimpse of natures to draw through your deck a little bit. You got your wireward symbiote, you, know, you got your symbiotes and your visionaries, and you still have your green symbiotes, you know, so you get, get your targets, but, um, it's a little more aggro, I think, than, than what you typically see. Yeah. Yeah, less less combo, more fair. Um, and then Ren's Packmaster is just so deceptive how good it is. Um, because So it's three and a green, which is actually a good thing, because uh, one of the best removal spells right now is Abrupt Decay, and this dodge is Abrupt Decay. Um, it's also a 5-5, five five, so it's usually outpacing Goyf, because most Goyfs end up settling in the 4-5 in the range. Um, it also you know takes out Batterskull, um, so it's big enough to tangle with most things in the format. It can't be abrupt decayed. And its ability of two and a green put a two two wolf creature with death touch into play is just super good with the deck. Cause if you can get Gaia's cradle going, I've seen him pump up out three a turn. And then you just know inevitably he's going to draw the crater hoof behemoth and just kill you with an army of wolves that are pumped with crater hoof. You just cannot get through the wall of death touch wolves. <laughs> So that that card is is really interesting, and usually it's only a sideboard card, and uh, I really like that he moved it to the main deck. Yeah, because it's just sweet. It, it's one of those threats that lets you not have to overcommit to the board, you know? Right. Just get a guy or two or three out, you play the Packmaster, maybe even hide your Visionary underneath, so if they wrath you, you still get a card out of the deal, mm-hmm. and you just fart out all these wolves that is just phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, because it has, uh, man, they should bring back this, uh, champion and elf when they did the tribal champion. So when the creature comes into play, you have to exile a, an elf card. And then when this card leaves play, the elf you exiled comes back into play. Mm-hmm. So just tuck it under there. If you ever kill him, he comes back. Oh, yeah. It's also anti Liliana, too, because you just make another wolf and you sack that. Mm-hmm. You know, but elves, is, I think, have always been pretty good against Liliana. Yeah, so definitely it's a it's a good tool against miracles, which I know uh, is usually a hard matchup for elves. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it it's big enough to get over most things in the deck for counterbalance, and you can just play this and just every turn just make a two two rather than play anything and just stock up your hand. So when they eventually do wrath to clear the board, you can just vomit your hand onto the board. Yep, exactly. Oh, in the sideboard I have the presumably seven hundred and three dollar null rod or wherever <laughs> the projection to go now. Oh man. Hilarity of just when you are the market, you can decide to charge whatever you want. Doesn't mean anyone's gonna buy it from you, but if you're the only one selling it, you get to decide how much to sell it for. Buy those reserve list cards, kids. <laughs> like shallow grave. Like shallow, well, I got my shallow grave. I love shallow yep. grave. I actually, I I bought a couple copies uh, the other day. How many's a couple? There's uh, a couple. <laughs> how many's a couple? Let's just say I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say I'm ready. That's what he said. <laughs> Don't hoard cards, kids. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I still can't find Gorio's Vengeance anywhere. Yeah. Or I've been checking online. I could find them online, but I, I, I'd rather support a local store. 
When I when I bought them online a couple years ago, this was before it was a modern deck, so I couldn't find them just because it was a bulk rare card. No one bothered to list, yeah. and the only copies I could find were Chinese copies. Mm-hmm. So I like my my foreign language card, though it's always hilarious whenever I play it, and someone who hasn't seen it before always calls the judge over because they don't believe that's what that card does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like, that can't be real. <laughs> they get any down where you ask also? Uh, Tabletop well, games. I got one that I can let go of, but I think Tabletop has a couple as well. All right. So, I, need, I can hook you up. I need two. I'll take yours anyway. But All right. We'll have to meet up at some point. I, I was debating going down to Ice Imports this weekend to do a draft or a sealed. I was going to bring my son down. Oh, man. I'm going to be away from out of town like the next three weekends. Oh, are you? But I am going to Tabletop this week to, uh, I, I know, don't, don't, don't flog me that hard. Play standard. <laughs> wow. You going on Friday? Wednesday. Mm, I'll have to see what happens. My my buddy came over this week, and I was just doing a bunch of stuff in the bathroom. He was supposed to come over some point this week uh, after work and turn up some pipe in for me. <laughs> oh, yeah? yeah. going to lay some pipe? <laughs> going to lay down some pipe. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, in a, we're a welcoming place here on Le- Leaving a Legacy. We accept all. That from the single... From the single guy. <laughs> oh. oh wow! Burn, burn. <laughs> uh, anyway, well, so, to, be, uh, to be fair, so so to, I opened up all these fat packs of Oath because land oh, yeah? packs. I figured I could store them away. Yeah, you want to give those land packs to me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jerry's, Jerry's, doing, Jerry's doing a, a land pack exchange for <laughs> revised boosters. So. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Uh, did, did Renee and, uh, did, did they, they haven't end up opening it? Uh, uh I don't know if they, I know they got it. I don't know if they opened it. They want to yeah. do a video opening it, so. Yeah, they got, uh, Marshall from Limited Resources to weigh in on it. Yeah, he said, uh, he said open it. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> Revise is terrible to draft. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, Renee and Trevor, they got the Revise pack. They were the winners of the raffle when we hit the thousand dollar mark. So. What, what other format can you play Crawworm in? <laughs> limited. <laughs> Revised fucking draft. Revised limited. And seventh edition. I remember that distinctly. <laughs> seventh edition was draft. It, wasn't Crawworm in? It was in an Ice Age too. No, that was probably re- reprinted so many times. Worm. Yeah. Uh, I'm just thinking of original shit. I was like, ooh, I really used to really like Lord of the Pit and Force of Nature. <laughs> oh, Force of Nature is great. Oh boy. Well, with all those cards. Hell yeah. <laughs> I wanted, I really wanted to do the draft. I signed up for it in GP New Jersey, but I, it was a raffle for the draft where, um, they had one of every pack ever printed, and that's what the, the pod drafted with. How's this? How's this? I saw something last night. Uh, I found a place we can go eat. Oh yeah? Oh yeah. And, uh, and where? For what, what event? Uh, any fucking event. We'd have to go south if we were in an event from Providence. Okay, so so mid Atlantic area, Rhode Island, Rhode Island, kind of southern Rhode Island, I think. Uh, what the hell was the name of this place? Nordic Nordic Lodge. Oh, what? <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, those places are all right, I guess. Nordic people, Lodge. People love that shit. Yeah, it's like it's like sixty bucks to sit down and just eat. All, it's like all you can eat. They have like steaks and crab legs and lobster. It's just like yeah, yeah, lobster and oh, like yeah, all you can eat lobster. It's not sixty bucks. 
Well, yeah. I mean, it's 60 if you're 12 or under. Sure. sure. <laughs> oh, I was just throwing a number out there. I can shave. I can shave. <laughs> it's like it's like two-hour limit. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's one of my new life goals. I want to go to a restaurant that has a time limit. <laughs> yep. I will eat all the lobster I can eat for two hours. <laughs> um, sir, I'm going to need you to eat something right now. <laughs> I'm going to need you to make a play. <laughs> Good. I like I like all these subtle hints and segues. <laughs> uh, well, before we get into that, I also played some Legacy this week. No, you didn't. I did. I did. Oh, yeah, that's right. You don't have a job. <laughs> I am unemployed by my own choice. <laughs> the daggers are real. <laughs> so, would, would you go up to Acton? I did. I went up to Acton. Did and, you get uh, one of the used binders? No, they didn't have any. Slash, I forgot. But they didn't have any. Be sure. I didn't look. But you, had, didn't... you had one job. I didn't see any. <laughs> I'd seen it with a jog my memory. He had one job, he quit it, then he got another job and didn't do it. <laughs> but he did post the play mat up. Well, oh I yeah, did. he did. I did. I'm, I, and I'm I'm still like curious. I'm like, damn man, nobody's like trying to outbid me. I hope somebody would try to outbid me because <laughs> Yep, for uh those who haven't seen it yet on the Facebook page we have a GP New Jersey brainstorm play mat. Up for auction with, uh, the proceeds going to, uh, Wounded Warrior Project. So if you always want one of those GP New Jersey playmats, highest bid right now is 70 bucks, which is less than the hundred dollars they're going for or so on eBay. It, I wish it was Christopher Rushart. It, it, it has the Mercadian Mass Brainstorm, but that's, that's okay. It's not That's, that's my favorite one. That's my favorite brainstorm art, but Celso has a sick ass fucking brainstorm playmat. That's right. You got the Christopher Rush one? Yeah, well, with a little help from Adrian pointing it out that, hey, there's a sick playmat I saw. So if it was for him, I wouldn't have been chasing down Chris Rush to get it. Nice. <laughs> Hand-drawn brainstorm playmat. Oh, damn. Yeah, no, oh, really? it's, it's ridiculously awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, I think uh, you weren't up at GP Boston. I think it was at GP Boston, um, but I th- where the hell did that's where you I, I saw pointed, it. I, po- I pointed it out to you somewhere, and I think you picked it up at GP New Jersey, didn't you? Right. You saw it in Boston. By the time I got to his table, they already closed up for the night. Yeah, and it was so, gone. Yeah, so then I poked them on Facebook, and they were super nice about it. So, yeah, I had it prepped you know, a couple months in advance for a jersey, so I got mm-hmm. a jersey. Sweet. Yeah. So Christopher Rush hand drew it for you, and you picked it up at one of the events? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. And got him to sign my my uh, beat to death old ass brainstorms from when nice. I played Magic in the first place. Awesome. Oh boy. Well, I was casting some brainstorms this weekend. <laughs> See that segue? He's been trying to tell us about this for a no while. No one else. I'm sorry. I play crazy decks that no one's ever heard of. Yeah, I've never heard of a deck that played brainstorm. I'm hyping it up. <laughs> Sounds crazy. Hype. Hype. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you're just drawing, like, a card, man. <laughs> like, you're picking up three, but you're putting yeah. it down, but, like... But, but you don't get it. He's drawing a card like it's his job. I'm drawing so many more cards. <laughs> He's drawing a card as if he had a job. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, jealous. Jealous. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, but, yeah, I played Guided Passage this weekend. 
Google guided. Yeah, right? <laughs> Thank you. I know he says it like it means something. I yeah, well, I mean, you guys are all experts. I figured you would know. No, I looked it that up a couple weeks ago. Watch? I looked it up a couple weeks ago when people yeah, were talking we about ta- it. Yeah, we talked about it on the cast a little while ago, so I told oh, this thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is that the reaction yet? You're like, what is it? And then this thing? Yeah, pretty much every match I played it in, my opponent goes, what? Picks it up, reads it, and they're like, no. Oh, okay, fine. And uh, just you, you draw so many cards. So Guided Passage is red, green, blue <laughs> for a sorcery. Your opponent looks through your deck and chooses a creature card, a land card, and a non-creature, non-land card, and you put those cards into your hands. That's not what it says on this copy. It says blue, red, green. Your opponent goes, what the fuck? Then they <laughs> gets more confused because you hand them your deck. <laughs> and continues to scratch their head as they look through your library. Uh, and then their reaction is, wait, you get all three? <laughs> uh, so the deck is just basically value.deck. Um, so no matter what combination of cards they give you, it's going to be pretty good. Uh, so for creatures, you have Deathrite Shaman, Tarmogoyf, Bloodbraid Elf, or True Name Nemesis. So no matter what, they have to give you something good there. And uh, for non-land, non-creatures, you got, you know, they're probably not going to give you your one-ofs like Sylvan Library, Umazawa's Jit, Jace. Uh, but, you know, you have more Guided Passage, Brainstorm, Force to Will, Ponder, Abrupt Decay, and then it also is running the Punishing Fire Engine. So the deck is just so much value crammed into its yeah. uh, its borders. It's awesome. That seems uh, great. <laughs> yeah. So it's it just, like, the deck just has some disgusting lines where you can just go, like, turn one, Deathrite Shaman, uh, turn two, True Name Nemesis, Turn three, Bloodbraid Elf into a Jit or an Abrupticate to clear the way, um, or, you know, Sylvan Library, or even better, a Guided Passage to just refill your hand and keep going. So, uh, question. Yeah. How, how did the mana base play out? It seems a little bit ropey. Yeah, so that's that's the the drawback of the deck is the, it is so greedy, so <laughs> so greedy. <laughs> so to read off the mana base, it's four tropical island, two volcanic island, two underground sea, one bayou, one badlands, four misty rainforest, two scalding tarn, one footed hit foot. Oh, sorry, two wooded foothills, one taiga, and three grove of the burn willow. <laughs> so. Lots of one and two ofs, and then just the biggest of greed with the colors. So it's like four color, <laughs> four color greed. <laughs> yeah. Ah, I like decks like that. Yeah. Let me so, guess, round one was land. <laughs> no, so round one, we'll talk about later, was uh, I played against Bant. Uh, yeah. And that went to a yeah. draw. No, no, oh. no. Another individual, and um, that game went to a draw. Um, Pretty sure I would I could have won that uh, if if we had more time. Um, round two, so I versed Esper and I lost Esper because he played True Name to True Name, and this deck has a real hard time dealing with a True Name Nemesis. There's never actually mind two of them. Yeah, never mind two of them. There's <laughs> there's actually no way to get a True Name Nemesis, so I think I'm gonna need to add like Engineered Plague or something like that to the sideboard to deal with True Names because hmm. every match I played in. I versed a true name nemesis deck, and my final, my record was one one and one. Though the draw I, I would have won if it had continued, but all three of them I was versing true names. 
So Esper True Name got the better of me, and then round three I versed uh Ian uh playing uh I think it was uh Esper for I think it was like four color. Uh might have been Esper, might have been Bant. Uh I wasn't really sure. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. Yeah, it's basically <laughs> like is it Esper splashing green for abrupt decay, or is it Bant splashing white for or Bant splashing uh black for like Something random, like painful truths. Well, I, I want to give a mid-cast scoop to Ian motherfucker McCown, because he is a fucking badass. <laughs> uh, who also just quit his job. We had a little I quit my job party at the tournament. So shout out to Ian. Don't let the haters hold you down. <laughs> oh, why did he quit? Because, you know, sometimes you, you hate your job, and you're... You're financially set up that you can uh, afford to quit while you're looking for another one, or be a hobo, or be a hobo. You know, ride the rails like me. Well, the, you yeah, know, yeah, you know the outro very... to this. The outro to this podcast now has to be "Bad Days" by the Flaming Lips, right? The deck's awesome. I'm gonna definitely play it some more, just because I love value decks. You just get so much out of this deck. And just going like Bloodbraid Elf cascading into a True Name Nemesis, beat your face. Like that's that's a lot of fun. So how how did the uh, FNM play out with the deck? Did you say that already? Um, so I went one one and one, um, okay. and and then I left before pl- playing the uh, last round because it was Friday and mm-hmm. I wanted to go do things that didn't involve cardboard. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna run it again, see see how else it does. But uh, yeah, I mean I got the draw round one, and whenever you get a draw round one, you yeah. know the rest of your events gonna be pretty miserable because you're gonna be in like the miracles and lands brackets. Mm-hmm. Is that what happened? Um, well, I versed that. Not necessarily. It was kind of mir- I mean, it was like Esper Miracles. It was weird. Yeah. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, I, I didn't really plan on winning after getting that draw round one. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I guess that brings us to why we asked Celso on the cast in the first place. So, Celso, uh, I don't think everyone knows, but uh, you're also a judge, aren't you? That's correct. I'm a certified level one, working towards level two. Feel feel pretty close, but I still gotta sit down and do some studying and not all good stuff. But I'm hopeful to to get L2 because I want to help out Connecticut because it's uh, pretty rough. I don't think there's really any active L2s that go around these days. We're oh, really? In all of Connecticut? Yeah, yeah pretty much. It's yeah, pretty definitely. Bad. Definitely seems like uh, Wizards has a problem in certain regions with their higher level judges because you can't, you know, get level two judges without level three judges, and it's just kind of a snowballing problem from there. Yeah, well, th- thankfully in our region, well, a we got a ton of judges in the Northeast, but also uh, there's pretty much a judge factory in Amherst at uh, Worlds Apart Games, like. Joe Hito, uh, scoop to him because he's just an awesome guy um, in general. But like, What's his he's name? Joe Hudo. Oh, okay, I thought you said Judge Hito. That is his only personality, Judge Hito. Yeah, could, couldn't make <laughs> it for anybody <laughs> old enough to remember that. <laughs> he couldn't cut it at the uh, the criminal court level, so we went to Magic the Gathering judge level. <laughs> Uh, but he's been basically like developing this awesome judge community. Like I, there's at least two L twos from out of that store alone, and maybe another one that I'm probably forgetting, and like a whole pile of level ones. So they're at least you know keeping keeping things well. Um, 
in kind of leading the Northeast in that. So that that that's pretty fortunate, at least. So, Celso, what would you say is one of the hardest things to call as a judge? Hint, hint, yep. segue. Yep. <laughs> Granted, it's not like I've been doing this for years, but for every event I worked so far, slow play and stalling have to be the two hardest penalties to call because it's very subjective um, and it's one of those things where like you will get players kind of giving you lip and, and or at least you know fighting it, it, it. It riles them up. Right. Yeah. So so let me I guess let me get into the actual penalties here and what we're actually talking about. So so there's two things slow play and stalling. I'll start with stalling because that's kind of the one that I think most people think of when they think of these experiences. So stalling by definition is a player intentionally plays slowly in order to take advantage of the time limit. So, you know, I think Saito was a uh, a famous example where he would kind of look at the clock, look at his hand, like go through all these unnecessary motions to basically run the clock out and either get a draw or if he's up, you know, a game, then he kind of tries to draw the clock out so he can win the match, um, or at least in the past. Currently, it doesn't seem like he's doing that, but but some players might do that. So here's some examples that they give. Um, players got two lands in their hand, no options available to significantly affect the game, and spends excessive time thinking about what to, to do to eat up time on the clock. Um, another one is players ahead in games and significantly slows down his pace of play so the opponent has little chance to catch up, which is kind of what I hinted at. Um, a player playing slowly appeals a warning in an attempt to gain advantage by t- having more time to make a decision. Um, a player intentionally mulligans slowly before the third game in an attempt to make it harder for his opponent to win in time. And lastly, a player losing a game starts slowing down the pace of play in an attempt to run out the clock. So um, that one, you know, that usually in those situations, if you suspect your opponent is stalling or even slow play, um, you can call a judge over to watch the game, watch his opponent for possible potential slow play or even stalling. Um, stalling's a pretty bad one. It's a bad penalty. It's disqualification. Um, Plus, you can get banned from it because that's what happened to Saito. Exactly. So, and like, you really have to prove it. So, like, you need a way to prove like this person was playing super slow for an explicit advantage. You know, right. to run out. The- I know for a fact he's not that stupid. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Like. Like. You, you, you know, they have to really <laughs> say, like, you know, this is what I did, or like, you have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt, like, this person had no other potential choices to make or think about. Like they brainstorm and they see three basic lands and go into the tank. Right. Oh, <laughs> like yeah. that's yeah, exactly. that's a good example. So that's 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 the harsh one. But I think that's what players typically think about is like, oh, they're trying to run the clock, clock out. And, and they think justifiably some scenarios it's pushing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's not intentional or, you know, we can't really prove definitively that it is stalling, uh, it says, please, please refer to tournament or error slow play. So let's go to slow play for a minute. Cause this I think is the more common things. This is where I think, I think a lot of judges think this is criminally undercalled. Um, so slow play. Definition. Player takes longer than is reasonably required to complete game actions. So I'll stop with this sentence right there. Cause 
you know, I think some players might be looking for like, you know, um, how many, do I have 30 seconds? Do I have 15 seconds? Do I have 10 seconds? Like some sort of like a shot clock. You know, what, it's, it's intentionally vague that it says reasonably required. And it's because if you tell somebody like, you know, Jerry, you have 30 seconds to make a play, otherwise we're going to call it slow play, and you want to run out the clock, because, you know, no way you're going to let Pat beat you. You're going to take 29 <laughs> seconds. Yeah, you'll take, you'll, you'll just take 29 seconds because you think that's legal. So, mm. so it's, it's purposely vague because we want to call it no matter if it's like 30 seconds too long or 10 seconds or 5 seconds too long. It shouldn't take you 15 seconds to figure out which island to play out of your Merfolk deck. Yeah. Right. So, um, so basically what that means is, you know, we're, us judges are walking around. We're seeing players play magic. If we get to a point, like, say I see a table and nothing's going on, um, I see one player kind of mulling through his cards, figuring it out. Basically, what I'm trying to do is... And then Figure out which one's Pat and which one's Jerry. Right. <laughs> exactly. Is <laughs> trying to figure out, you know, okay, what possible decisions does this person have? Um, how long do you, you know, basically try to figure out the play. Like, put yourself in their mind. How fast should it take them to get to that point? Give them maybe a couple seconds extra. And if they can't get, if they still haven't done anything, the first thing you're really supposed to do is poke them, which is, you know, official judge speak, which, no, not really. But you just say, <laughs> you know, I'd like you to play faster. I need you to play faster. I'm so going to need you to make a decision. Right. I need you to make a decision. Or, I'm going to poke you. <laughs> yeah. Or I've heard things like, you know, a judge was looking at a game and they couldn't figure out whose turn it even was. So, like, they even had to say, like, I need somebody to make a play. <laughs> I need somebody to do something. So, you know, you, you look at – so you take into account how much time you really think they, they should have to think about it. And if they still haven't acted within a couple seconds past that, you know, say, I need you to play faster. If – You've seen this player do this, you know, more than once at this point, because usually they want you to, to poke them. So you poke them, they're still playing slow, then you give them a warning. So there's a warning for slow play. Um, so here's some examples. Player repeatedly reviews his opponent's graveyard without any significant change in the game state. So like, I don't know, I gotta reanimate in the mirror and I wanna reanimate something in my opponents and I look to see what's there, think about it, and I grab their Graveyard again, still thinking about it. Uh, so they're playing slow a little bit. Um, you know, if they're being intentional, obviously that's stalling. But let's say you know they're they're honestly playing slow. Um, player spends time right. I, I don't know why they picked this card, but I'll I'll give you the gist. Player spends time writing down the contents of an opponent's deck while resolving <laughs> thought hemorrhage or like surgical extraction. <laughs> um, that takes a lot of time. It's or insubordinate amount of time. A player takes an excessive amount of time to shuffle his deck between games. And this was actually pretty interesting, because this is true. Player gets up from their seat to look at standings or goes to the bathroom without permission of an official. So, like, you just decide to go off and go to the bathroom. Parents go up. During your upkeep, I'm going to go get a sandwich. <laughs> so, get yeah. a good sandwich. So the whole philosophy of this is, like, you know, you and your opponent share this pool of time these 50 minutes you're both should be working together to get the match of magic done in its natural conclusion in that 50 minutes if you start slowing up the game and this is where i think this gets a little controversial but the you know speaking from from you know from the judge community the more time that you're wasting trying to figure out what you want to do and taking a, a reasonable amount of time 
you're taking that time away from your opponent because you both are sharing this pool of time. So we want both players to play at a reasonable pace so they can get the game done with a reasonable amount of time without stealing time from each other by taking excessively long to do something. That's kind of, that's kind of the point. So, you know, so yeah, you get poked and if another judge pokes you again, if the same judge pokes you again, they should give you a warning. If they start figuring out, like maybe you're doing this intentionally, it goes to stalling. But usually, like, if, if you get a second warning for this, and I think this is for any warnings of the same kind, not just low play, it's a game loss. And you think, oh, that's harsh, you know. They poke me, they give me a warning, and they give me a game loss. But really, you got to think of it from, like, an SCG or a GP level, you know. It's not going to be the same judge doing doing the same thing to you all the time. So, like, round one, I might poke you. Round two, another judge might poke you. Third round, I might see you again starting to play slow. And I go, all right, well, I poked you already. Time to give you a slow play warning. Then you get poked again by somebody else in round four. And in round five, like, I see you again. It's like, okay, you know, that's that's a little crazy. You know, let's time for another warning, which is a game loss. So, like, so if you get to that point for a game loss, it probably means you've been poked and prodded enough times for being slow all tournament, not just, like, all of a sudden slam you with a game loss. So that... Like I said, same thing with stalling. If you suspect your opponent is playing slow, call a judge over, ask them to watch the match, um, and who knows? Maybe your opponent finally gets the point and they start playing faster, or um, you know. But it's really the, the whole. Like I said, the goal is you want to get the game done in fifth, the match done in fifty minutes. Yeah, I think it's what's important is that there's two big things there, and I think where a lot of the aggression that comes out of it comes from like mistaking it for one or the other because if you get a slow play warning called against you like some people jump to the conclusion oh my opponent thinks i'm doing this intentionally to rules lawyer them and then they get defensive and then your opponent gets defensive as well so it's just really easy for it to spiral out of control um but i think yeah like you said if you just keep it to those two separate things it's easier to focus on on fixing them right so that that's kind of my my soapbox on on the slow play and, <laughs> and and the stalling. Like it, you know, you definitely have your right to be entitled to ever share your fifty minutes. Um, I've heard the silly stuff of like get chess clocks because that's what they do on Moto, and mm-hmm. it's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> right, their priority is passed way too often for that to be used in an actual tournament. Right, and, and I think if you want to hear more on like the why and, and all that, um, Judge Cast is a really good podcast to listen to for any rule stuff in general, and specifically 103 is the episode uh, that's slow play. Nice. So, good listen. Yeah. Well, the reason why I wanted to ask you about it is, so, at my, at the FNM I was at, so my round one opponent, we, we drew. And this is something, you know, he, he does pretty consistently. Like, he has a he has a reputation for being a very slow player, and no one thinks he's doing it, you know, maliciously to stall out the clock just because one of the easiest ways to tell if someone's doing it to stall out the clock is do they have an advantage to do that? And most times that this is happening, he does not have the advantage and it ends up hurting him just as much as it hurts his opponent. But in the last like 12 matches, I think he has seven or eight draws. So it's, it's definitely a problem. Yeah. So that, that's perfectly fine scenario. To call a judge and ask to watch the watch the match. Um, actually, I, I was talking with some folks about a couple of common scenarios 
within the same deck because I think I think we could all agree the deck that is most or one of the decks that's most notorious for this is Miracles. Yeah, you know, definitely. You have a top. You have a crap load of mana. You know, you there's top. no reason to top twice at the end of my turn. <laughs> right. What yeah. So yeah. So like I I I thought about the scenario of like all right I have a top and I have all the mana in the world and I just want to activate it all the time like you know I'll use every single one of my mana to activate top. So after a while like yeah the first couple maybe like all right I spend the top I forgot what was on the top I spend it again that's fine. You start doing it to a point where it's like okay judge comes over my opponent spun top for the seventh time this turn. And didn't do any other actions, no shuffling their library and nothing like that. They spun the top seven. I times. haven't even cast a spell. Right. <laughs> so then you start asking questions of like, why did you do this? And then you get to the point where it's like, all right, there's no other reasons that you did this other than to waste time on the clock, and that's sus- that's suspect for stalling. <laughs> I forgot what the card. I forgot what the cards were, so I wanted to look at them again. <laughs> yeah, you're that dumb. Actually, that, that reminds me. So like, there's some common reactions to this. So. So one thing is is like an appeal, which you know, no, you're not going to get an appeal without playing more magic because that's you got called in the first place for slowing up the game. Mm-hmm. Um, another reaction is, well, judge, the board state is so complex. Like I need to think about this for a while. Well, like it's not like somebody cast Warp World. And poof, the board just exploded into something. <laughs> or, you know? Unless well, your opponent like, cast Eureka. <laughs> yeah. You did this over several turns. Like, you know, you played a bunch of turns, the board state grew and grew and grew and grew. And now you got to a point where, you know, it's not like you all of a sudden out of nowhere you have to think about what's going on, you know? And, and the, the harder one is like, you know, you get to turn. So now you have to go from like, I'm going to eventually win in 30 turns, so, like, I need to figure out how to win in two turns. But still, the clock starts winding down. You should start to be thinking about how you're going to win this game fast. Um, so, like, that's not really a, a great excuse to use either. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, um, another situation with Miracles is, like, let's say, you know, your your opponent plays Jace the Mind Sculptor, and you have Burn, and you're locked out, and... All, all your opponent is doing is plusing Jace. Like, no intention to ultimate, just plusing Jace, plusing Jace, plusing Jace, um, with the intent to deck you. Um, that's perfectly legal because they are moving the board state along. They are progressively looking to win the game. And if uh, you don't like it, you can scoop. Exactly. <laughs> that's the other side of it. Like, you can, you're perfectly entitled to scoop it up. Um, and move on. So yeah. If you see a win condition that your opponent doesn't, <laughs> you could just say we're gonna go to game two <laughs> and decide that you don't even need to sideboard for that card because they're not sure what it does. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimating Jace, yes. Well, I think I think it's not so much. So the my issue with it is, you know, I have no trouble recognizing, you know, slow play. The problem is, is in this particular FNM, there's no judge to call. So I kind of threw this out to Twitter, uh, to see if I could get any responses. But like, how do you, how does the community police slow play? Cause I think that's, uh, uh, one of the biggest issues. A lot more slow plays would go reported if the community knew how to police it better. Wait by their car. <laughs> you're not, ju- you're not <laughs> jumping the slow player, Adrian. <laughs> uh. So, any, do you, Sals, do you have any, 
any kind of recommendations for that? You know, what do you do when you can't call a judge? You know, how, if you are playing, if you're in a tournament and you recognize, you know, since you're a judge, you, you know, all the signs, this is clearly slow play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what would you do to kind of encourage your opponent to play faster? For FNM, it's actually a little interesting because it's, it's enforced the regular rules enforcement, which is basically a little leaner or lenient than competitive REL, which is what I think all of us usually think about with rules enforcement. So for that one, you know, I think you're perfectly entitled to ask your opponent to play faster. And if you ask a couple of times and they haven't obliged, then I would go up to the, I guess, the store employee and be like, look, you know, my opponent's playing slow. And even like, you know, I think my opponent is purposely playing slow to run out the clock. There's... There's two things called like general unwanted behaviors and then serious problems within the regular REL. Basically, I think the first time would be kind of like don't do that um, from from whoever's running the event. But then I think if it's more than once, um, they can basically kick them out and, and DQ them from the event because especially if it's you know if they agree with you that they're stalling, um, you know the store employee is perfectly within their rights to disqualify them from the event. Um, so I, I, yeah, I'd say like try to, you know, encourage, you know, try to convince them like, you know, could you play faster? Like, here's the, you know, this is the point. You know, we're both sharing a clock. You know, we're trying to get the game done in a reasonable time instead of trying to draw this out. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's, it's a stickier situation because it's not like to your point, Jerry. There's no like judge of the event to, uh, to police this. So are you from? Have you seen um? Paulo Vitor's slow play article he wrote back in like November for CFB. Mm-hmm. It's it's very interesting because I think you bring up a lot of the same things that he does, like how um, very subjective like a slow play warning has to be, and um, I mean his solution it, that kind of like the overarching thing throughout the article is ca- making those calls earlier in a tournament. Do you agree with that? Do you think that's what what's necessary is for judges to be more aware of slow play early on in the tournament so that oh, it doesn't yeah. drag on later? I think you should you should be calling it all throughout the day. Like you want to set the pace because the whole point of this is we want to get the tournament done in a reasonable time. You know, like there's no need for us to drag this event out into five in the morning. So judge, so, he's yeah. playing top. <laughs> <laughs> My opponent cast the top. I just want you to see here and watch this. Right, just want you to be aware. <laughs> if you want dinner anytime soon, you might want to watch this guy. Right. Pairings haven't even gone up yet, and Adrian's just scouting the crowd. (laughs) During his upkeep, I'm going to go get a sandwich. (laughs) Uh, But uh, also in that article, another good thing is also call it earlier in the game. Most slow plays come, you know, in the last five minutes are on the clock, or they're already in turns. You know, you should be be looking for slow play minute one. Right, exactly. Because like you said, you only got 50 minutes, no more, no less, so... You know, you you gotta get it done in that time. So if you wait till 45 minutes in, it's like kind of you know shame on you for waiting that long to to get on top of your opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and in turns like you know just because it's untimed. So so whether it's turns or top eight of the of an event at like the local store, you know there's still slow play involved and stalling because. We want to get the darn tournament over with, you know. <laughs> it, it, put it this way: like if you're if if you play slow and and you're playing a little more deliberate in turns, think of it this way: you're not holding up your opponent. 
you're holding up everybody else in the tournament that's ready to get the next round going. You know? So yeah. basically, Miracles players, you're a complete dickbag. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> this is, this is why <laughs> Miracles, I honestly, this is what I believe why, like, the, uh, opinion about Miracles players has come out is because so often tournaments stretch long and it's because of Miracles players that, you know, aren't even in prize contention anymore. Or lands. Or lands. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's where the bad reputation comes from. So, yeah, I mean, you want the tournament to run quickly. No one, no one wants to be there until like one in the morning. Yeah. I was actually in an event not too long ago and, uh, both players, the judge gave a slow play warning to both players, uh, cause they were in turns holding up the tournament. It was actually Jay Richardson and, uh, another individual, uh, but he was playing like blue red, uh, Delver Burn and was just like tanking so long on every, every brainstorm. And I was shocked. The judges came over like, all right, both of you guys have slow play roll, uh, warnings, you know, wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not like all of a sudden you have like 30 elementals just plop onto the board and you're trying to figure out how to attack. Like, yeah, <laughs> this doesn't work like that. Uh, well, I mean, I, I guess that's just what it comes down to is like, you know, police it as soon as you see it and just, you know, it's, it's not rude to prod your, uh, your opponent. A lot of people are just, are just <laughs> not it like actually that. is rude to prod your not opponent. Like that. <laughs> A lot of players are just nervous to speak up in, in the first place. Like they don't want to like risk offending their opponent. Yeah, but, exactly. You know, and I think that's not, you know, I think the real, the main reason is like, it's it's because you want to get the match done in a timely fashion. That's really, you know, you can point to that. Like you want you want the match to end naturally. You don't want it to end in a draw or anything like that. It doesn't doesn't feel good when when you end up in a draw. You know. So one one of the best lines I've ever heard, actually from uh, Josh Sissio, I picked this up from is, uh, "It's in our best interest if we finish this game." Uh huh. And that's just kind of like a real polite way to just, you know, state to your opponent, hey, we need to, like, not just you, like, we need to play faster. We need, like, it's it's in both of our interests to finish this game. Oh, yeah. Snap scoop to Sissio, even if I'm a much more inferior Charlotte's Bug player than he is, which is true. I'm not denying that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did you listen to uh, him come on and uh, lay down some business about Charlotte's? Hey, more to it, Dean. I mean, not not everybody can be Justicio. It's <laughs> he, he's got a talent that it's beyond magic in general. Like, <laughs> are you going on a pilgrimage to see Justicio? You go wash his feet and <laughs> yeah. Like seriously, Jeez. when I sit down at the table, I need to figure out what would Justicio do because like <laughs> that's he's like serious, legit. He is the man. Like. A, a snap scoop to him, mid, mid, mid podcast scoop to Sissio. He's yeah. cool, but he's, I, I like losing to him. <laughs> Come on. Uh, no, I do. I always no, I he always... listens to this podcast, and his ego is going to be insufferable when I see him next. He doesn't listen to this. He doesn't <laughs> yes, to this. he does. No, no, he's no. I like, like, I'll learn something. Like, I'll play him, and I'm okay losing to him because I guarantee I just fucking learned something. But it's funny to watch him play because he'll he'll do something extremely complex he'll be playing some complex thing but he'll be so relaxed doing it like without even thinking about what he's doing it's 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 funny to watch I don't this, know. this is how this is how good he runs this is this is why i want to be sissy one of these days <laughs> i play him and i don't know if he remembers this story or not but like i played him at 
and IQ down at uh, Tabletop before the new location. And he was on Miracles, or at least Countertop. I was on uh, Tess. And I had a turn one empty the warrant, like natural. So kind of play spell here, spell there, spell there. See if he, he's reacting to any of this, looking for a force of will. Don't see anything. You know, he just played a fetch land. And uh, I emptied him for 14, turn one. You know, no brainer. Untaps, draws his card, there's a terminus. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't play a cantrip, nothing. Like, just has a fetch land and go, oh, there's a terminus. Here we go. Like, I, I want to be cis, you know. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm just blind luck. <laughs> good, good. Uh, but, yeah. Anyways, slow play. That's that's yeah. our public service announcement on it. <laughs> yeah, that's a get that's the deal. You wanna get you wanna get out of here, you know? We wanna play magic and get things done and go home. <laughs> We're not in it to stay there till four in the morning. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, uh, that was uh and then what, we, we we cut to top four and then there's no time on the top four, I guess, right? It's fun so, time, but there's still slow play. Well no, the, it was it was untimed, but it was Lands versus miracles. God. And, I'm like, and I'm like, all right, yeah, Jim, I I wouldn't feel bad for you if you took off. Oh, that, yeah. <laughs> should we uh, get into some spoiler action? Oh, we should get off of this topic. That's for sure. Pat's for falling asleep over there. Good. I'm not falling asleep. I better wait. <laughs> it's uh, what? It's oh my god! Oh my god! It's been a fucking hour and a half on slow play. <laughs> 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 that was the plan. I just kept I kept trying to wrap it up, and you guys were like, let's talk a little bit more about this. <laughs> oh yeah, Pat was asleep, and I was vaping. <laughs> yeah. uh, so what are, what are you looking at, Jerry? Are you looking well, at Nahiri? I mean, Celso asked to come on to talk about his favorite card of all time. You wanna Ooh. you wanna, wanna go in depth about it, Celso? You mean the thing in the hot garbage? <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, here we Don't go. Don't be Devil's, jealous, also. Devil's advocate time. <laughs> All right, well, so right you want to hear? Hmm? Are we going to talk about thing of the ice? Because I have a I have a list that I'm brewing up right now. Yeah, we, we talked about it a little bit uh, last week, but Celso, you you hate this card. You think it's hot garbage? Care like, to tell us why? Do people forget that there is a text box? Like other than like one U, <laughs> and seeing that like O four and seven eight, like there is more to it than like. <laughs> Yeah, it also has Defender. <laughs> <laughs> what are we, all right, well, let's, so what are we talking about? Let's talk so, about it. So I think, like, the real cost of the card that I, I think some people are forgetting is, like, one you and, was it four? You have to get four eyes kind of? So, yeah, you have to cast four instants of sorceries. So, like, the decks that I think of that probably the easiest is the heavy cantrip decks, like your Delver decks and such, right? Yep. So, like... That's four cantrips, which is at least one mana a piece. And let's just say I'll even throw in a free Gitaxian probe. So it's like it really costs five mana, turn it around into a seven eight. You know, that's that's still a lot of investment going on. You know, you got ah, stick. Like, I disagree. I disagree. I mean, Young Pyromancer is, is is such a house in that deck. I mean, Young Py- Pyromancer does go wide, but it. It does require essentially the same amount of of. Uh, oh. Even if you cast like one or two instances of sorceries, you got four power on the board versus an O four. 
Yeah. With two ice counters. Like, well, here, here's the list, here's the list I'm thinking of, right? It's running 18 lands, so it's running like the typical, like, Delver land package. Oh, that's um, terrible. With, with four, four <laughs> volts, four volts and four wastelands. Throw it away right there. Adrian, what would you prefer? 18 swamps, four grizzle brands, four thing in the ice? Like, <laughs> that's Adrian's preferred. <laughs> I don't know, dies to ensnaring bridge. No. I mean, you cast all those rituals, and either you're gonna get the thing in the ice out of the ice, or you're gonna get grizzle brand. Like, well, we, we talked, well, we talked about that last week. It's like you could throw a couple of those in reanimator, and it's like, oh, you're casting these spells anyways. If they kill your graveyard, you still have a seven eight to beat face with. Well, that's true. The, no, what are you gonna reanimate an O four with defender? Yeah, like an O four with defender or grizzle brand. Uh, you, don't, you don't reanimate this. You just play it out. It's your. It's a sideboard card. Yeah, I'd rather play in Tomb. Or even like a sideboard card in Storm. It's like you can get this, or you can get Bob, which draws you more cards and lets you kill your opponent. Like, <laughs> like I mean, it. Let me. You know, there. This card can be okay. You know, this card can be all right, but from what whatever has been talked about on podcasts and written in articles, I think is way higher than it is. What's the actual ability not, of the card? I'm not I'm not too high on the card, but I think it's worth okay. I think it's, it's so worth trying. I I get ex- I mean, yeah, don't I get guess. me wrong. This is not like this is not like the, you know, the be all end all of creatures, but the right. the the shell I'm thinking about is like a, just a, re- a straight up blue red build running running with four delvers because it's going to get you Early pressure that they're going to have to deal with before they deal with Awoken Horror. Um, running four Snapcaster Mage and four Thing in the Ice. And that's your creature package. And then it's like the typical like Brainstorm Days, Force of Will, Probe, Ponder, Bolt. Um, and then I have a flex spot at Chain Lightning. I, you can either run four Chain Lightning or you could probably do like a split between Chain Lightning and Price of Progress. And then probably two Pyroblast in the main as well. And that'll give you 30 instances and sorceries in the deck. And I think... I think with that density of of spells, you can flip this thing on turn three. Yeah, but it's just I don't know. Like it's 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 shaky. It's very it's, shaky. Oh, it's it's it's, it's, it's a high, it's a high investment. Like I mean, thing in the eyes. I'm gonna get Cataxium probe, Cabal therapy, Thoughtseize, or whatever, and there's fucking abrupt decay when it finally flips. You're casting those spells anyways, though. Um, uh, well, you're loading your deck up with them so that you can try to flip Delver and cast. Yeah, but Blue Red Delver is carrying like you're running Lightning Bolts and and Getaxian Probe I, and Cabal Therapy. Did, anyways, it's not like yeah, you're I, changing the comp components right, of the deck I did, at all. I mean, twenty six to thirty instants and sorceries is what the Blue Red build is running, regardless. So what about so, well, what about this here? What's the fucking other thing? The Monastery Mentor? No, what the hell is it? The fucking well, he yeah, plays. Mon- he plays great with Delver of Secrets, which is the thing. You curve Delver of Secrets into this, and you're already yeah. running a bunch of instants and sorceries, so you can flip Delver. Now right. those same instants and sorceries go to flip this. Sure, yeah, exactly. And and I'm yeah. fine with bounce, like and with Snapcaster Mage. Like if I start running out of cantrips, like you know, or you know, I'm, I have Snapcaster Mage to get him back and sure. flash him back. And then if I bounce all my Snapcasters back in my hand when a Woken Horror flips, like that's fine. Like yeah, I'll take. I'll take a Snapcaster two back in my hand. Yeah, because the other thing is, it's a it's a Raffle God when it flips, which is right. really relevant for these aggro decks. Okay, so my my question is, what's the creature? The, no, that it's I a could, seven okay, eight beater that's going to get oh in. Oh my god, seven. I still can't loudly interrupt. No, what I'm talking <laughs> about here is the fucking creature from Blue Red Delve and a little red one one with haste. With monastery, monastery. Uh, oh, monastery Swiss spear. Swiss spear. It's a it's a is one two. It? Taylor okay. Swiss spear. Yeah. yeah. So so this goes into that spot. Uh, well, no, actually, this is going in. No, I don't even like. I don't even like Swift Spear and Blue Red Delver wow. anymore. This is going okay. into the. This Look, is going Pat's into the Young Iron Master slot. <laughs> Pat's awake now. 
yeah. yeah, this well, is well. You're talking about something I know about. Like I don't no, know what, no, about no, what I'm play. talking about is the fucking the, the blue red deck that was playing Monastery Swift Spear. Yep. With Treasure Cruise and fucking Delver. Oh, those band cards. Yeah. <laughs> well, you haven't seen Monastery Swift Spear since. So does this go into that fucking that no. shell? No, this goes into... I'm not asking. I'm asking Jerry, because you don't remember the deck I'm talking about. (laughs) I remember the deck you're talking about. I just don't see how it's relevant to it. Okay, so this isn't isn't like that blue-red Delver... This wouldn't go into that blue-red Delver deck replacing Monastery Swift Spear with this thing? No. If if we're talking the original blue-red Delver deck with Treasure Cruise... The one by one did. I I still think Monastery Mentor is better in that deck, because you had Treasure Cruise. You mean Monastery Swift Spear? Yeah, Monastery Swift Spear. Right, but, I mean, but, but when they take out Treasure Cruise and they take out Dig Through Time, do you fill this thing into that spot that Swift Spear was holding and replace the other fucking Treasure Cruise, Treasure Cruise cards? Well, what Pat was saying is that Swift Spear has already been replaced. Most people don't run Swift Spear anymore because it's not good enough without the uh, Treasure Cruise ramp. Right. This thing ends up being as a 7-8. Right. This fills in the Tarmogoyf slot. This is like, oh, instead of having the splash for green, you can just play this thing instead of Tarmogoyf. That's where okay. this card goes. Okay, in. I see. Right. Um, like, this is a blue Tarmogoyf. Like, I can think of a metagame where this card actually would be reasonable. And, like, if we were back where Grix's Delver was top dog, like, how does Grix's Delver get rid of this guy? Because, yeah. like, Bolt is... <laughs> Angler laughs, laughs at it. <laughs> like, right. it, laughs at, it laughs at Angler. Especially it's, when it flips and bounces it and your opponent doesn't have a graveyard to delve away anymore. Yeah. Right, exactly. So, like, what? I think what, what makes me super down on the card is, like, when the best deck of the four format is playing Swords of Plowshares and Terminuses, like, you're just wasting your time investing instants and sorceries into that that card, albeit you're, that's what you're kind of trying to do anyways, but like, you know, you're going to get to a point where strategically, you want to put yourself in a spot where you want to flip it, and it's going to end up not happening for one reason or the other. Whereas, like, you can play a young Pyromancer, play a couple of instants and sorceries into that, and at least move your board state forward a little bit. Well, I will. I will agree so, with you, Celso, that uh, in top deck situations, when you top deck a Tarmogoyf, he's usually a five six or a four five. When you top deck this, it's going to be a zero four for a while. Right. So late game, it is a terrible top deck. All right, I was curious how strongly you're going to stand behind that. It's it's a blue Tarmogoyf statement. Well, I mean, I definitely think it is a blue. It fills the same role as Tarmogoyf. If you want a Tarmogoyf in your deck, but you're not running green, you run Thing in the Ice. Um, the build I'm actually thinking of for it is a blue-black control deck, like old-school blue-black with counter discard, uh, running Delver of Secrets, this guy, Vampire Hexmage, and four Dark Depths, going like old-school Hexmage Dark Depths, because you can either either use the Hexmage on your uh, Dark Depths to get a 20-20, or in a pinch you use it on Thing in, an ice, in the Ice to get a quick 7-8. Oh, Vampire Hexmage is sweet. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, pretty sweet. Yeah. And then mm. also running, you know, Snap, it, I think it, uh, you pointed out a great thing, Pat. It goes, this card goes great with Snapcasters. Oh, oh yeah. Bounce, bounce all your Snapcasters back to your hands. Yeah. Thank you. Oh. Yeah. I'll, I'll take that back. That, yeah. What do you, what do you mean? Oh, I said that. That's yeah. what I said. That's what I'm saying. I'm giving you credit. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Well, no, I hear Adrian's going, oh, like I didn't say oh, it like, <laughs> good job. See, it's just, well, well Jerry, you know what, Jerry? That's an awesome idea, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, here's where I think this thing is the strongest. Like, yes, it, it obviously is going to die to removal. Everything dies to removal. I'm not, I'm not, you know what I mean? Like I, you can't make Some the argument that this is better. Removal. But, 
However, Leeds like does not die to removal. Sure, but but <laughs> where I think the I think the strength here is just like yes, you're investing like you know four inches in sorceries into flipping this card, which is something that, something that you're going to do anyway, and it's still going to hit harder, and it will hit when Swift Spear will. I'm oh, sorry, when uh, Young Pyromancer will not do that because if I go and cast three or four inches in sorceries in the same turn, um, those guys aren't aren't going forward to attack. And when this guy flips, he's bouncing the opponent's board, and I think that like getting in for a guaranteed seven is a big deal versus like waiting a turn to try to get in with you know three one ones or four one ones, whatever. Yeah, like uh. I think the metagame where this is going to be sweet is if like elves was a contender, yep. goblins might be a contender. Like you got the young pyromancer delver decks, like all those decks that attack wide. This card is a sweet answer because it's like all right, you're building up your board to this critical state. I'm gonna put you back a few turns, and then start beating you in with a 7-8. And then, like, right. anything that you do play out of your hand, I'll probably kill it with a lightning bolt or something along those lines. Yeah. So I have a judge question about a thing in the ice. Sure. Um, so one other deck I've been working on, but it just never has had the power uh, to be good, and I think thing in the ice might be the bump it, it wants, is a mono-blue aggro deck. Um, you know, running Delver's True Name Nemesis, and then also Fassa. Okay. And then also running like back to basics to be extra. What mean, a, but but can with, we can we throw in like hold on can we can we brew up a deck right now? Yeah, because like um, that that's the kind of deck I want to run like um, Nykthos in. Oh yeah, so so the thing is is like mono blue fast. So what I'm wondering with thing in the ice is mm-hmm. the converted mana cost stays the same now. That was the recent rules change. Correct. Does that mean when thing in the ice is flipped, it still has a blue pip for Thassa? Let me check Thassa. Real quick. Sasa checks for devotion. She looks for. What'd you think of that anyway? I don't like the way they did that. I think it's Sasa fine. God, let's see. I, I think, think it's less confusing for new players. Yeah, and engineered explosives is really the only card that gets affected by it. Now you. Yeah. Now you, well, I think Delver players love it because now engineered explosives actually has to invest a mana if they want to kill the Delvers, and it's not just a a straight blowout. Yeah. However, it does mean Delver plus Deathrite Shaman is going to be a blowout, whereas before you had to choose between getting the Delver or getting the Deathrite. Now you can get both with the Delver, if they're, no matter what happens with the Delver Secrets, whether it's flipped or not. Alright, Jerry. Yeah. So that, that, uh, that mono, that black blue control deck with mm-hmm. Vampire Hex Mage, what else do you see in that deck? Like, do you think you'd run Sinkholes? Oh man, if you want to get real spicy. <laughs> Um. Yeah, well, it's tough. It's like, do you want to run Delver or not? If you're not going to run Delver, you're going to go more towards control, where Thing in the Ice is your big finisher. Because yeah, that's well, that's what I'm thinking, right? Like, isn't that so Liliana right? Jace? Yeah, Liliana Jace, Thing in the Ice. I, I would see in a deck like this, Thing in the Ice and Vampire Hexmage are your only are your only two creatures. Everything else is uh, lands, instants, or planeswalkers. And oh, you run man. Liliana and Jace, and then you know, Brainstorm Ponder, probably like. I don't think it's a Cabal Therapy deck, because you don't really have anything well, you, you want to... you can run Thoughtseize, though, right? Yeah, like Thoughtseize, him to Torak. Well, you want permanence with pips, right? Isn't that what you were saying? Well, well that's, that's in the blue deck. That's yeah, blue that's deck. another deck I'm thinking of. Oh, that that right. one's just mono-blue, where you just go Delver, Thing in the Ice, True Name Nemesis, and then you top off your curve with either Thassa or Jace. You know what's good? <laughs> you, know what might be, you, know what be, you know what might be okay there, too? Is Master of Waves in that deck. Oh, yeah, Master of Waves in that deck as well would be sweet. Oh man, hold on. I'm, I'm writing this down. I think <laughs> just stealing all my ideas. And then, well, no, I'm, we're no, we're we're uh, on a blue deck. You gotta run back to basics. The blue blood moon. 
Oh man, that 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 guard is awesome. So it's all uh on uh non islands uh what uh why can't oh non basic lands uh don't untap and it's blue yeah. uh colorless colorless. So, so here's so in the ice. Here's where here's what I gathered. So Fasa says um has the devotion clause, so the important part it says each blue pip in the mana costs of permanence you control counts towards your devotion. Then I went to look at the new rules change, and the rules change seems to affect only the converted mana cost. So while, if I'm understanding this correctly, under the new rules, the CMC of, <clears throat> uh, what's its name, Awoken Horror will be two, but there's no mana cost on the side that's oh. facing you. Hmm. So I, I'm sure it may, they may do some sort of an update to that where, like, maybe they care about that care about the front, the, the actual mana cost, but I'm putting it together based on what the rules change says. It could just be they haven't thought of that yet. <laughs> because <laughs> they say in the article, like, each face has its own set of characteristics, like the names, the types of the abilities, so on. Yeah, it says, while a double face card's on the battlefield, the yeah, while a double face card is on the battlefield, only the face that's up matters. Yeah, it, it seems like you care about whatever is on the front face, except for the <laughs> except for the color. <laughs> Good. Yeah. So like, way to make it way to make it clear, wizards. <laughs> yeah. So like, I, I get that. Like, it may So I, I heard the argument of like it helps newer players, but I think at the same time, I don't think it's as intuitive because. What you're seeing is the back face, so so visually all you see is everything on the back face. You have to like think about the card for a second to figure out what the actual CMC is. So I feel like you you have to jump through another hoop to get it. Whereas like if you just look at the battlefield straight up, like say I have um Insect Elaboration, Pyromancer, a couple tokens, and Gurmag Angler all on the battlefield. Like you just look you stare at the battlefield and quickly go, okay. Zero on Delver because it's a back face, you know, and you don't see a cost or anything there. The Pyromancer is two, the ang- Angler is eight or whatever, or seven. And then, like, all the tokens, tokens don't have a mana cost on the card, so they're all zero. Like, whereas you see in Tech Elaboration, then you got to be like, all right, well, what's the front face of that card? Oh, it's Delver Secrets. What's Delver? One. You know, yeah, so, so it, it can be confusing for players that way yeah. as well. Just It's confusing looking at the board state. Yeah, so I guess PSA don't look don't don't try to play pernicious D the next next couple of months or EE. Yeah, because <laughs> no one's gonna know what to what to do. Yeah, you might have a bad time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are we good on thing in the ice? Because we got we got some other sweet things that came out uh, last couple of days. Let's do it. I'm excited. Thing in the ice. Like <laughs> thing in the eyes. No, did you see the two aggro beaters? Like definitely some uh, some power creep in this set. Vampire Glutton. Have you guys seen this yet? This card is cool. No. It's it's red for a 2-1 Vampire Warrior. Uh, each Vampire Creature card uh, you own that isn't on the battlefield has Madness. Its Madness cost is equal to its mana cost. Um, that guy seems uh, like he might do be able to do some crazy enabling things. Probably not good enough for Legacy, but... I can I can see like a black red aggro discard beatdown deck 
uh, you know, that's using like faithless looting. Like faithless looting in this guy is great. It's like draw two cards and then and cast two two more of these guys or you know two other one drop vampires. Um, could could be interesting. I mean, single, single risk for two one is pretty sweet. Right, that's the thing. It's like if this guy <laughs> if this guy had haste, he would straight up replace uh, uh, Goblin. Uh, what am I? Th- why can't I think of his name? Not clear cutter, Goblin Guide. Yeah, or like you'd have like uh, you'd have that guy and Lacerator is like your one drops. Mm-hmm. You have two two power one drops. Right. The other new card. Did you guys see Tainted Chains? Uh, yes, I did, but I don't <laughs> this- remember what it does. This card seems pushed, but I don't know if it actually does anything relevant. <laughs> um, so it's one blue for a 2-1 flash flying spirit. When it enters the battlefield, target spirit gains hexproof until end of turn. And just to add even more onto it, you can cast spirit cards as though they had flash. So mm. what I'm getting out of this guy is this guy is Geist St. Traff's best buddy. <laughs> well, there's, there's that, but... This is a fucking two drop. Yeah, it's a two drop, two one flash flying. Like that already is good. But Alurin doesn't give. Um, what does go in Alurin? Maybe I have no idea where this goes into. This is such a weird, unique card. What I play spirits? Uh, like, well, Geist of Saint Traft is a spirit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's good. I mean, it still well, it already has hexproof, right? So I mean, yeah, like the. Yeah, but the fact Flash is, you can, is cool, but... yeah, you can play Geist of Saint Traft as Flash. That's the thing is, like, is there any other relevant spirits in any format? I don't know if I get excited about playing Geist of Saint Traft with Flash. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. Geist of Saint Traft was so short lived in Legacy because True Name Nemesis was released like what a month afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Although True Name is, I think, has seen a drop in play as well, so. Well, tell that to my Friday when I versed three True Name Nemesis decks in a row, <laughs> and I was playing True Name too. <laughs> All right, maybe it's just maybe it's just uh, my perception of it, but yeah. But uh, did you guys see the new Vindicate we got? Yeah, that I'm excited about. That card's Let's cool. Talk about it. That's, I don't probably, know. that's probably the one card I'm actually <clears throat> excited about. Actually, ang- I mean, anguish Harry too, but that's... anguished on making. Yeah, yeah. anguished on yeah, making. Yeah, so it's one white black instant. Exile, target, non-land, permanent, you lose three life. Yep. It's got it's, fucking awesome art. Yeah, well, did you also see, I think it's like a game day top eight uh, alternate art yeah. from, from the other perspective. So it's like No, this, I didn't see that. I didn't see the... Oh. the uh, I saw the game day champion, Matt, for that's this art. It's fucking sick. Oh, no, so there's uh, the game day top eight card is Anguished Unmaking, and it's alt art, and what it is is the perspective is switched. The angel is in the foreground, and Soren is in the background. So it's like same art, different perspective, which is cool when you line them up next to each other. Nice. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people are pretty hyped about this, especially old school players, because it just it reminds us so much of Vindicate. Except it's instant. Well, yeah, it's instant. The, there is some drawbacks though. I mean, other than the three life, uh, Vindicate could also get lands. And yeah. Sometimes you just Vindicate was the best card ever because it was a stone rain when you needed it. Hmm. Um, so, I don't know if it's gonna see Legacy play, just cause it also has to compete with Council's Judgment, and neither Vindicate or Council's Judgment see that much play in the first place, just cause they cost three. Uh, but I can, I can definitely see the seeing play in Modern, where they don't have either of those cards. I think Council's Judgment also only picked up for True Name Nemesis. Yeah, I mean, basically only one or two decks run Council's Judgment, and I don't know of any decks that run Vindicate anymore. But no, but this uh, this I would throw into fucking. I mean, because I'm 
terrible anyway. I'd throw this in ten pins. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I can see it. Uh, I can actually totally see this replacing uh, Abrupt Decay. Ah, uh, well, maybe not. Just not, not replacing, but yeah, as an alternate without needing to splash for green. Yeah, it know. being instant is real relevant, and the fact that it costs white black is actually much easier for Tinfins to cast than the white white of uh, Council's Judgment. Oh fuck yeah, yeah! I couldn't ever try to get away with Council's Judgment, but this I could at least try to get away with because I'm not really relevant. The three life isn't relevant. It actually would help me. Right. I was just thinking it's like if you wanted to cut green out of Tinfins to make the mana base a bit more consistent, you could totally run this instead of Abrupt Decay. Yeah, I don't play green. I don't play Abrupt Decay. Oh, okay. Well, your problem solved already. <laughs> yeah. This just natively, naturally goes right into Tinfins for me yeah. if I wanted to. But um, I also like the idea in Nahiri, but I'm not uh, playing those colors for a while. Good. Yeah, we got we got you, both uh, Planeswalkers spoiled. Let's move on to Arlen Cord because this one... This one is sweet. I want to hear what you have to say about it. I'm interested. I'm interested now. Well, it's red, green, two. Um, so competing with uh, Xenagos. Uh, Xenagos saw a little bit of legacy play, but he never really caught on. Was it Xenagos? Yeah, I was going to say widely what? played legacy staples. Xenagos the Riddler. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he saw like a little bit of play, but I mean. Other than that, it competes with, like, Huntmaster of the Fells, and I guess Garrick Relentless would be the other, uh, like, slots it would compete with. I mean, this, this goes into, like, Jund. It's a, listen, it's a four, if, it's a four drop, Jerry, so it has to be really good. It has you know, to be it has really, to be like, it has to be really good to be, to be worthwhile to play. Exactly. But I think so. Jund would want this. I mean, I definitely see it seeing modern play, um, and I think it could see legacy play if there were more viable legacy decks that, you know, wanted this. Well, well, let's let's go over the abilities before we talk about its uh, viability. Yeah. So it's uh, two red green. Uh, Planeswalker Arlen comes in with three loyalty, uh, plus one until end of turn. Up to one target creature gets plus two, plus two, and gains vigilance and haste. <laughs> <laughs> what? What, Adrian? Yeah, because you cast it with no creatures on the board. Your opponent's creature gets 2-2 two, two, Vigilance well, with Haste, no. which just gets her out of bolt range. It well, says up no. to 1. Yeah, can, up to 1. You can still plus 1 and not and not target a creature. Sure. Right. But you wouldn't no, do that because yeah. she also makes creatures, because her zero ability is put a 2-2 two, two green wolf creature token onto the battlefield. And then that, she gets bolted. And then she transforms. Judge? Yeah. <laughs> so when it when it transforms, uh, does it keep the loyalty counters? Because there's no loyalty thing on the back. Yes, right. it keeps the loyalty counters. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, Judge. We have in the cast. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome, <laughs> Judge Jerry. It, it, it keeps everything. So like any counters, any auras or equipment. Any casting cost. It's the same card just with new abilities. Exactly. Yep. And kind then, of like a transformation. Ooh. Or, and also... In the face um, of a blood moon. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, transforming under a blood moon. <laughs> so, and also if um, planeswalkers, like flip planeswalkers, you can only activate the ability once per turn, regardless if it's the front or the back side. Right. So, like... You don't get to flip it. Because otherwise it would be an infinite combo where you just flip it back and forth. Transform it, transform it, transform it. Ultimate. <laughs> yeah. Not quite, but... Just just watch Jerry, though, because he's going to play this with clear sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. 
And, and then Pat's going to respond by chain lightning him. Obviously, yeah. In response, in response chain lightning Arlen Cord. Yeah. In response to you casting Arlen Cord, chain lightning him. Uh, stack jokes. Super nerdy stack jokes. So let's, so what's the flip side of our do? Yeah, so the flip side, so Arlen embraced by the moon, uh, plus one creatures you control get plus one, plus one and gain trample until end of turn, which is relevant if you've been making a bunch of wolves. Minus one is she deals three damage to target creature or player, then transform her back to Arlen Cord. So, kind of like the Garrick Relentless ability, but much better because she doesn't take damage. She just bolts something and doesn't take any damage in, re- in return. So, Judge, uh, does transforming this thing use the stack? Uh, let me read it real quick. Uh, I don't believe... Arlen, right? Yeah. Arlen. I don't believe it uses the stack. No, it I think shouldn't. That's just once, part of what you do. You just yeah, do it. Yeah, once the ability resolves, so you can respond to her activating the ability, but right. once the ability itself, once the three damage is dealt, she just transforms. There's nothing to respond to there. Okay, so if you put a 2-2 on the battlefield, she just transforms right away. So when you put the 2-2 on the battlefield, then on the stack, I go get a sandwich. Yes, then on the stack, you go get a sandwich. Only with somebody approving it. Yes, only with Celso approving it. Specifically okay. Celso. <laughs> and then its ultimate is minus 6. You get an emblem with creatures you control have haste and tap. This creature deals damage equal to its power to target creature or player. Um, so yeah, I, I think the card is very interesting and I could see Jund running a one of, uh, just because no matter what you're doing with it, you're just kind of getting value. You're either putting two twos in play, you're bolting things, which, you know, if you talk to anyone who's been waiting for a good Chandra, all we've ever wanted it to do is to bolt. And this is finally a planeswalker that just bolts something with no drawback. Um, the plus, but it's got a flip to do it, right? Yeah, but I mean, it's not hard to flip it. You just flip it. Wasn't Domri Raid just better? Uh, no. Do- why Why would you want... Domri Raid does, like, different things than this. Yeah. Like, this is more like support your army, whereas Domri Raid was more, you know... Car- yeah, but this is a planeswalker that you want to play 4-4? Because you only ever lost Domri Raid. I'd play 4 for this. If Garrick Relentless is a Planeswalker I want to play pay 4-4, four, four, and I do, then yeah, I would play this. I, this might even replace Garrick Relentless in uh, Aggro Loam. That's okay. what I was going to ask you. Is like, what, what would you rather have, this or Garrick in, in Aggro Loam? I think I'd rather this. Like, Garrick you basically solely use to just make plus one, uh, make wolves, and then sometimes you may, if they like Terminus you, you may sack a wolf to, uh, you know, find Knight of the Reliquary. But that comes up so... You know, so infrequently. Like, Agro Rome runs Garrick to make tokens, whereas, uh, she, uh, is just a better, uh, Garrick. She makes wolves and her other abilities are relevant. You know, the pluses aren't the strongest, which is, I mean, okay with. You're basically just plussing for the loyalty. Um, you know, it, it could come in handy every now and then. I mean, probably giving Knight of the Reliquary Trample is actually a pretty big thing. I'll take that back. That's pretty Oh strong. no, giving Bob 3-2 and Trample. <laughs> Awesome. You don't do it for Bob. You you give Knight of the Reliquary trample. Like that's one of the biggest drawbacks with Knight of the Reliquary is young Pyromancer decks just hold you back so hard. But this is kind of another answer. So yeah, I could actually I would totally replace uh Arlen uh replace Garrick with Arlen in uh, uh Agro Loam. You can also give your Knight of the Reliquary's haste with the front side. So like you play Ooh, this, yeah. you do some stuff and then like you play Knight and you can automatically activate her. 
Actually, yeah. you can beat in for whatever plus two and still... Oh, yeah, because it gives it vigilance, too. Oh, yeah, this card's great with Nightly Reliquary. <laughs> yeah, I'm on board with that. Yeah. That seems really fun. Beat in with vigilance, haste, and then activate? Yeah. Oh, because you can beat in, and then in response to damage, activate Night of the Reliquary, get a fetch land, sack the fetch. That's an additional plus two damage. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> that's two more lands going to your graveyard. That's real good. I like it. You guys want right. to uh, go through a couple uh, questions from the Facebook group, or do you want to save that for next week? Because we're, run- yeah. we're running a little long today. Yeah, we are, because I'm fucking tired. Pick one really up. good question, Pat. No, go All through right. the questions. These guys deserve it, man. Go All right, fine. That's right, guy. Give him an hour and a half on fucking long, slow play. and like, <laughs> Yeah, we'll answer half um, a question. Thought, so the first one, John Kennedy asked, thoughts on Thing in the Ice and Nihirian Legacy? So I think we already kind of covered that. Braden Defoe... Brandon Defoe asks, uh, is Celso ever going to be back on tap and sack? I don't know. Okay, moving on. Um, <laughs> Enchantress, <laughs> question mark? Uh, I'm going to need the Enchantress player to play faster. Okay. <laughs> Look at you, Curtis. <laughs> uh, that was from Ben Eagleton. Uh, Matt where, Tiffany. Where the, are, where the hell are all your fucking questions? I'm, I'm reading them to you. So there's this really cool thing called Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, I'm on it, and I don't see where the hell the post is. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Tiffany asks, um, any chance you, on doing some deck spotlights on some of the lesser known decks, uh, sort of like how you guys used to do the deck you should play bit, which we still do. It's been a little bit since we've done the last one, but, um, Brayden asked for Landstill. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I asked so Matt if he now. has anything in particular. Um, he hasn't answered me back yet, so. Yeah, let's go over Landstill now. Um, let's, let's move on to the next question. Uh, Justin, Justin Hockney. What are you just reading the questions on? Well, I mean, we're like, no, we're, some. listen, we're, we, we're going to read them all. Oh, we're going to talk about thing in the ice. Yeah. <laughs> we did that. We did that. Um, Justin Hockney asked, any chance of talking about, I'm, I'm sorry we did that. <laughs> any chance of talking about pox at all? I'm new to legacy and have the deck. Actually, I would like to do a pox deck tech. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll ask uh, Dan Holland to come on. He has been playing Pox for the last five years or so. Awesome. Uh, oh, your buddy Dan? Yeah. So he. So he Justin, we're gonna try to get. We'll try to get a, a guest on. And we'll do a Pox. Uh, a Pox, Pox deck tech. Pox episode. Sick. Yeah. yeah. I need my opponent to stop crying. <laughs> so, quick story about Dan. I was at a tournament with him, and it is one of my all-time favorite uh, magic moments. Right up there with oh yeah, oh yeah. But uh, the. Dan was playing Pox in a tournament, and they were in the losers bracket. It was like round six, and you know I think they were. It was like the three and three bracket, so they know that they're not going to money this tournament. And Dan sits down across from his opponent, and he just goes Swamp Inquisition, and his opponent just looks up with Adam with like a tear in his eye and goes, "Are you, are you playing that Pox deck?" And Dan goes, um, well, yeah, he goes, and the guy just scoops up his cards, puts it back in his deck box, puts his deck box back into his bag, just looks at Dan, and I quote, says, I have reached an emotional threshold, and then (laughs) walked away. (laughs) It's a self-aware man. It's a self-aware man right there. That that is what Pox does to people. Wow. That's amazing. (laughs) <laughs> gotta know when to hold them. Yeah, <laughs> gotta know when to hold them. So <laughs> when to walk away. Um, 
Wayne to run. Uh, yep, and it's all I, I, I know when to stop Terry from singing. That's right now. <laughs> um, um, and Kerman, Kerman does ask about anguish and making a legacy. I know we kind of talked about that already. He said Council's judgment seemed to unsee Vindicate in Stoneblade, so is being an instant make it that much better? I think being an instant's pretty big. Yeah, agreed. I just, I don't think, most decks don't want that effect in the first place, though, because otherwise we'd see more Vindicate and Council's judgment running around, so it's definitely up there as an option. I wouldn't be surprised to see it. And, alright, and last question from Joe Blackman. Do you have any good punt stories or memorable misplays? Ooh, that's Jerry, oh, Jerry, what about that time Pat won? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was gonna say, like, every time I play Pat, mostly. <laughs> so, game two against Sissio, back to Tess and Miracles. Ugh. I look at my hand, and I go, oh, I think I have a turn one against him. I'm on the play. I'm like, whatever. I think I probe him in the sequence, too. I see he's got no force of will, nothing. I start playing all the cards in my hand and then realize I was one mana short of tutoring and getting whatever I needed. So I picked up all my cards, looked at Josh, congratulated him, (laughs) and went home. (laughs) Because I was like, this is not going to be my day today, so why waste the rest of my afternoon trying to fight through this? (laughs) I got one... Like memorable play, I wouldn't even call it a misplay. It's just play. And it, 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 similar to the test, uh, I was playing tests and I was playing it against Aaron, and I had like the turn one, I could dump out twenty fucking goblins and kill them on turn two. And I I start comboing out and I'm building up rituals and I go to duress him and I see he's holding tabernacle. <laughs> <I'm> like <laughs> fuck, <laughs> like that was awesome. Um, and he got that game. <laughs> and, and like that, and like my favorite misplay because I, I misplay a lot. There's a lot of times I'm like, oh damn it, I just I missed. What were the triggers I was missing this weekend? Getting Icarid back and Narco. I think I, I don't think I missed a Narcomiba. Oh oh, I missed a bridge trigger by Narcomiba died. But anyway, um, my, I think my favorite misplay though was playing. Uh, oh Chris, um, Chris Stetson. We were playing an SCG and I was playing Tin Fins. And I have like Grizzlebrand in my hand and, and I don't even know what else. And I'm looking for any other combo piece. I need something to discard and I need something to reanimate. And I brainstormed and I see like land, Emrakul, land. And I'm like, nope, those three are garbage. And I put them back on top and I start shuffling the deck. And he just looks at me and goes, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, I thought it was a ponder. And I like, <laughs> so we had to get the judge over because I treated a brainstorm like a ponder. <laughs> um. <laughs> That that reminds me actually of a misplay I did when I was playing Reanimator, where I decide to play first, draw my opening seven, and I have the turn one Grizzlebrand in hand, and I'm just so excited that I go, all right, my turn, and I draw a card, and my opponent just looks at me, <laughs> 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 and my just looks at me and goes, judge, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm an idiot. <laughs> and the thing was, the judge came over, is like, okay. Uh, we're just gonna say that you. This is a forced mulligan. <laughs> uh, but I got the turn one. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I do remember. So I forgot I was on the play. <laughs> I, I do remember what happened against miracles. I had to write it down so I could remember the uh, the exact uh, way that it went. So I had played a brainstorm, and he uh, went to uh, check counterbalance, and so I stifled the ability. And then he went to check counterbalance for my stifle and revealed a one drop on top. So I essentially two for one myself for no reason. 
<laughs> I think I've made that same misplay before. Oh, uh, I was like, I was like, oh yeah, stifle, stifle, uh, stifle counterbalance. He's like, okay, trigger, <laughs> trigger counterbalance. And I'm like, ah, son of a bitch. Yeah, that was bad. I, I've also, I've also like brainstormed to make sure that I flip Delver on the following turn and then gone and like fetched on my opponent's end of turn and just oh, yeah. fully fucked up like my, my setup to flip Delver. Uh, I, yeah. I think it's actually on video somewhere. Uh, I'm in a feature match, and I brainstorm to set up for Delver and then forget my Delver trigger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I've done, like, I have uh, to do the dice trick thing, man, because I'll forget. Well, the thing is, is like I literally, I literally brainstorm, put an instant on top, and then just draw my card for turn. And just with that... <laughs> Like, I'm just like, I'm doing this for a specific reason. I just can't remember what that reason is. Oh, I missed it. <laughs> um, so another one that I, I, I saw that wasn't really a misplay, but just a funny situation is, so Dan, the Pox player, was actually playing against Josh Sissio, who was playing like an Esper build of some sort. And Dan is playing Pox, and unfortunately he has to mulligan twice, so he's down to five cards. And his five-card hand is like... Swamp, 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 nether spirit. And nether spirit is like a old school creature. It's one black, black for a two, two. But it says at the beginning of your upkeep, if it's the top creature card in your graveyard, you return it to play. And Josh is on the play and he just goes land thought seize. And he uh. has to, he has to take the nether spirit. So Dan discards nether spirit, starts his turn one, nether spirit comes into play, so he just gets a free 2-2, and Dan ends up going on to win that game. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So I have a good misplay on the other side of the table. So it was, uh, top eight of, uh, Star City, Star City IQ for standard. And this was back in like the post Coblade era, but like before rotation. So I was playing Valakit, which is another big deck of the format, which is pretty much like Primeval Titan, you know, kill people with Valakit and stuff. So um, the one piece of tech I had in there for a while was Phyrexian Metamorph, because, you know, you want to just jam as many Titans as you humanly can. So, like, if you go on board, you play that, you get more Titans, or, like, in the mirror, you're way behind if they get a Titan first. So this lets you catch up. You know, you copy their Titan. So I'm playing um, Splinter Twin, and I have Titan out, and I, for whatever reason, I feel like I had to kill him this turn, because I think what he would have done was, like, cracked, or did something and get his combo. So I'm like, alright, I have to kill him this turn, if I attack with my one Titan, it's not going to be enough, but if I copy my Primeval Titan, I'll have enough lands to kill him. But I just have to hope, like, he just doesn't have a counterspell, or whatever. So I cast Metamorph and look at him stone cold in the eyes. And he looks at the card, he looks at me, he looks at the card, and just has like the, you know, if somebody cast like uh <laughs> it's like the same reaction if somebody casted a guided passage. <laughs> and just looks at me and goes, Okay? I was like, alright. Comes in from Evil Dane and then starts flipping out like, oh my god, I can't believe this. I should have beaten you. Medley favorite. Like, and he's just like bitching and complaining as he's like, he gets up, he continues to complain. He starts like shooting off as he's walking away from me towards the door and out of the LGS and out of the top eight. (laughs) (laughs) It was beautiful. (laughs) That's amazing. That's hilarious. I was like, oh, RTFC, I guess. 
All right. We got any more questions? Nope. That was the end of it. Sweet. All right. So now we can go over Landstill. Nope. Let's go to top eights. <laughs> <laughs> we'll address we'll address Landstill next week because I actually yeah. do really like that list. People, if uh, you want to jump on the Facebook group, uh, it's posted up there, and the list looks really interesting. But that's just a little teaser for next episode. Just Google Lamb Fan, L-A-M-P-H-A-N. He's a pretty uh, proficient Lansdale player. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I don't know about him. I'll have to look him up. Well, he was the one, if you remember New Jersey, he was the one that had all the weird colored cards. Like the Force of Will is like blacked out. Oh, yeah, like like just terrible Sharpie alters on all of his cards. Right, like white border for Wills and stuff. Yeah, like he, he stripped the black border off of them. And... Yeah, <laughs> but he also top-aided like a, a, one of the face-to-face events with Lansdale again. So he did something recent. I just don't know what the list looked like, but, but I'm sure uh, Jerry will put it in the show notes. I think I could easier justify white bordering a Forza Will with a reprint now. <laughs> why do you want? Why do you want to white border? Because that looks fucking awesome. Uh, that's the first thing Adrian thinks about. With <laughs> Eternal Masters. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead and white border some fucking mythics. <laughs> go ahead, buddy. Do it. Do it. You got some scoops? I think I want to dream crush Adrian for being a monster with that. <laughs> <comment>. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, let's see. Well, I mean, of course, as always, scooping in the premier legacy cast of New England, leaving a legacy. A Boston. Uh, a Boston. <laughs> Boston. You guys are great. It's so, you know, Monday mornings are sweet because I get to listen to that on the way to work and during work and such. So uh, thank you for doing what you're doing. Scoop. I already scooped Sissio in because I want to be him one day. Um, and beat him. Like, that would be, like, an achievement unlock for me. Beat Sissio in a sanctioned match of magic. Um, He's not that hard. I'm just... <laughs> I just gotta keep Sissio... That's what she said. <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> I just gotta keep Sissio's ego in check. <laughs> uh, scoop Ian motherfucker McCown. Well, I think that's that's pretty much my scoops as far as I I know. Yeah, let's let's scoop that in. Uh, scoop the playing elves next week too. That I'll scoop that too. Oh yeah, you so going back on the legacy next train? Week? You going, huh? to, going to gaming, etc. That's a year or anything? Uh, well, I'm going to be out of town like three weekends in a row, but April's a little better. There you go. So I think April we got to come up with a good Sunday trip up to Mass, and I'll just play something absolutely ridiculous so I can enjoy the afternoon in April. Yeah, or you know, whenever, whenever I get back. Maybe I should. Yeah, I should try to head down to Connecticut too. Yeah, I got, I'm gonna be in, uh, Virginia and then Florida the next two weekends, so I'll be back. Next time you come up, don't take your GPS, just come up the other way. Cause you'll come up by my place. Don't, don't, don't get, get lost? Yes? <laughs> I like that statement. Like, no, next time you come up, get fucking wicked lost. <laughs> Dude, just, so what I'm gonna want you to do, I'm gonna want you to leave your cell phone at home. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell anyone where you're going or when you'll be coming back. Right. Hey, I got a van. You can help me find my puppy. <laughs> well, let's go into the woods. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make some scoops anyway. I'm gonna scoop in uh, Nick and Sierra. Oh yeah! Congratulations to them. They just got yeah. engaged. And uh, more, let's see, who more magic Jim, couples. <laughs> Jim Not Dredge and uh, Aaron Gazaniga. That's probably good for me for now. Oh yeah, those two are boss too. Yeah. 
I actually talked talk to Aaron. I'm, I'm going to borrow his uh, sweet red-white uh, just prison control deck. What, oh, stack deck? Three. Yeah, stack deck. Nice. Is, and that's all your scoops, Jerry? I haven't scooped anyone yet. <laughs> you just scooped at Aaron. You're going to borrow his red-white deck. Oh, man. Just hold your horses. Judge, judge my opponent is slow playing. You just you just went on a ten minute rant about different routes to go through in uh, Massachusetts. Oh, <laughs> what well, Jerry, <laughs> Jerry, you know what? Some of us have uh, to work in the I don't morning. Think, I don't think we. <laughs> talk about, I don't think we should talk about the different tournaments that people can go to because people aren't going to want to listen to that stuff. <laughs> Instead, let's talk about all the different restaurants along I eighty four. <laughs> hey, Ryan's New York Deli is a very good right. spot to go to over in Burden. Maybe, maybe, maybe then, then I guess that's really just it. It's what I wanted to hear about. So. <laughs> Adrian, Adrian's review of top ten rest stops on I-84. Yeah, rest stops. <laughs> <laughs> Who else are you scooping in, Jerry? You got Aaron and what? I'm obviously going to scoop in Celso for uh, coming on the cast. Um, I'm gonna dream crush this, yo, just cause you guys, you guys went too, too hard. Gotta keep them in check. <laughs> um, who else? There's probably other people I'm forgetting. Oh, also scoop in, uh, Ian McCown. You're not scooping them in. <laughs> scooping in Ian McCown and Sean and Ara and Dan, everyone, uh, they all came over. We did some cube the other day. Oh, good. And, uh, Sean has the sweetest cube, just like a lot of things you foil. It's non-powered, so that was refreshing. But that's a story for another day. What about you, Pat? Who you got? Pass. Pass? All right. Good story. Pass. All right. Celso. Celso. Yo. All right, Pat. Play us out with some sweet jams. Nope. <laughs> nope. You did it wrong. Did it wrong. Celso? Yo. Your turn. Hey, Pat. Why don't you play us out with some sweet tunes? You can email us at leavinglegacymtg at gmail.com. Or find us on Twitter at Mathematrixter, at JMEE3RD, or at Pat Uglo. Thanks for listening. Remember, play fast, not loose.
for oh, it. Oh, speaking so of, Kerman got a concussion. <laughs> what? <laughs> I asked Kerman if he wanted to come over and play Cube the other day, because he doesn't live so too far away from me. And he goes, uh, I would, but I, I'm not allowed to drive at night anymore with a concussion. <laughs> like, I'm like, what? And I'm like, Kerman, what happened? He's like, uh, you know, college things. <laughs> 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 he just left it at that. <laughs> 